On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors, we react to former Vandy Boys pitcher Ethan Smith transferring to Tennessee, UConn defensive back Jeremy Lucian announcing his transfer to Vandy, Scotty Pippen Jr.'s 23 points leading Vandy to an 85-77 win over Georgia this past Saturday. We'll also look ahead to the Commodores matchup with Kentucky at Rupp Arena on Wednesday night. A quick update coming from Justin Hershey on Twitter on Liam Robbins. And we'll also give our thoughts on Shane Foster's jersey retirement ceremony coming up on Saturday night for Vanderbilt's game against LSU. Quick sneak peek. Shane's going to join us later on the pod this week, so stay tuned for that. All that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville. It's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who bleed black and gold. Commodore Nation, Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome into the Door Report. It is episode 140. It is February 1st, 2022. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Will we're back. We're both back together. Uh, I thought you did a nice job on the on the episode last week. That might get you a hosting role. Uh, so credit to you. <laughs> you might yeah, be uh, moved up to the big leagues, but uh, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's going to be back together. And there's a lot of little tidbits to get to. We'll touch a little baseball, touch on a little football. A big weekend for Vanderbilt basketball coming up with Shane Foster, and we'll tease a little something a little bit later uh, in the week as well. But, uh, but Will, kind of a lot of tidbits to get to here, especially after Vanderbilt got back on the winning track after their win against Georgia, 85-77. Yeah, notes on every sport. Basketball, it seems like we always dig into the games a little bit less when they uh, perform well and win. But Chapman being back, we'll dig into that. But we have some transfers out in baseball, which doesn't seem to happen very often, some commits in as well yes. as well as some transfers out in football so a lot of roster movement and the basketball team got back on track so that's and, always good to see an overhaul is, is a good word yeah. i'd say for football we'll, we'll talk kind of talk about the continuing overhaul and and a, the the transfer on the baseball side will went to a school that i think a lot of people were surprised about so uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later but before we get to all that breaking news don't forget to follow us on twitter at door underscore report and instagram door dot report like us on facebook subscribe to our youtube channel our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, it's now time for breaking news. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. A Laco Fine Wood Floors craftsmanship you can stand on 
All right, well, we start with a little baseball. And uh, I know, I don't know when you saw this. I think, I guess this was released a couple days ago. Um, I, I think everybody was was pretty surprised to see that Ethan Smith is transferring to Tennessee. Uh, he, he's a Tennessee kid. He played high school baseball at Mount Juliet. Uh, he was actually Tennessee's top right-handed pitcher in the state, uh, according to Perfect Game, coming out of high school. So this guy's got a lot of talent. He didn't play as much as... I think some fans might have liked him too. He had last injury. Year. He had injury. He had injury yep. problems. He had injury season, problems. Yeah. Um, but there's something fishy going on there. I, I, I mean, you go from Vanderbilt to Tennessee. I don't think that's ever happened at the at, at, in baseball. Maybe there's maybe there's some guys that have done that before, but I have not heard of uh, of, of player doing that before. Now it might just be he wants to stay home and play baseball in Knoxville. Um, I could be looking too deep. Uh, but the simple fact of him going to Vandy over to their in-state rival, a little weird, Def- definitely a little weird. Uh, he had a 2.78 ERA in 64 and two-thirds innings over three years for Vandy. So his stats, at least before last year, were there. I mean, he, he was he was one of their big-time arms. So this is, this is big news for Tennessee. I don't know how big it is for Vandy because they're not really worried about pitching depth, I don't think, especially this year. Uh, but, Will, it's just strange that he decides to, to transfer to, to Tennessee – Vanderbilt's in-state rival, and you know that, that definitely adds a little, little extra kick and a little spice to that that matchup in April. I, I'm ready for that. It was strange, Billy, until I really started thinking about it, and looking into it, because I don't know if we tweeted it out or if it was you or somebody else on TDR here, but about Tennessee losing two of their uh, yes. weekday yes. starters. Mm-hmm. So Ethan Smith, you remember this is Vanderbilt baseball. This is Alabama football of college baseball and you have a deep stock of mm-hmm. five-star pitchers sitting there. And Ethan Smith, he went to my high school, actually. His older brothers were a year or two ahead of me, but he was a few years. Yep, Mount Juliet. So Sean Hunley, also from Mount Juliet, went to my high school. He pitched at Tennessee and had a lot of success. I believe mm-hmm. he's with the Tampa Bay Rays, actually, now. But this just makes sense, honestly. It's kind of – it's just – he's going to go from being probably maybe a starter – on a weekday game occasionally to a weekend starter for Tennessee. He was probably going to be a majority of the time a bullpen rotation guy for Vanderbilt as mm-hmm. opposed to a starter or a significant portion, part of that bullpen there at Tennessee. So it just kind of makes sense for him to go to Vitello. It's just kind of eye-popping to see a guy transfer out of the Tim Corbin baseball program into the Tony Vitello baseball program. Two very different styles of coaching uh, between the in-state rivals there. Yeah, and Will, this is I, I, that's good for Tennessee, but for Vanderbilt, it's not like that's a massive loss or anything. I mean, it would have been nice to have Ethan Smith, um, but at this point in, in, in where Vanderbilt's at coming into this season, this could be one of their better years for at least bullpen depth. You've got a lot of arms back there, so uh, so I don't think Ethan Smith leaving is a massive blow. This is a guy you would have liked to have, but now he's headed to Tennessee. Uh, but Will, that's I, one of those you won't feel unless there's injury issues. That's right, that's when right. you feel it. It's kind of like some of those depth running backs, like Keon yeah. Henry Brooks transferring out last season in in football. That yeah. you wouldn't have noticed that if yeah. Mon Davis never got hurt. You would never have noticed that he was gone if you have pitching injuries and guys have to sit out. Then, then you're going to be you like, start Man, to realize, that Ethan Smith, that Ethan Smith transfer yeah. wasn't so convenient there before <laughs> the season started. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how much he is able to play or if he's 100 percent right now. Um, you know, I'd be I'd be willing to guess he, he's going to be heavily in that maybe not rotation, but in that back end of that bullpen for Tennessee. See, so it's going to be fun to see him. You got to believe he's going to want to pitch uh, at the Hawk uh, in, in April too. So, uh, so that'll be fun to watch. Uh, Ethan Smith going to Tennessee. Well, 
that's that's the only ba- ba- other that's the only baseball topic we got. We do have a small football uh, note to get to. Jeremy Lucian, uh, a uh, defensive back, cornerback is what he's listed at, uh, coming out of UConn. He has transferred to Vanderbilt, and he's a guy that is, that had been on our radar for what over a month, maybe two months. Um, I think he was just kind of waiting to get things sorted out, but that's more depth. And, and will we talk about the overhaul? It's happening. I mean, they. they there could be upwards of 40 new players coming into the, this program. And I'm not sure if we have an exact number on how many players have left at this point. It's definitely not 21, as, as many guys that left last year. But we could be getting close. I think it's more. Like we, we could be in that 21 range, but, but not in a bad way. You know, it's not the same 21. Uh, you know, they could have 21. They could have more than 21. But it's not going to be the same type of exits as we, ha- as we saw last season. Yeah, I think it might be more. We need to go through and actually count how many different players and how much turnover this roster is going to have. I think it's more than twenty-one. Yeah, it, it, it out feels and, like it feels like it could be more. I actually spoke and, too soon on that. And the most recent one was Javion Marlowe announcing pretty recently, a couple of days ago, that he would be transferring out of that running back room. So, which I thought that would come last year, which was interesting. That that was interesting, yep. kind of about Javion. Yeah, so I don't think any of this is concerning with the transfers out. No. They're also bringing in a huge class of 2022, and they'll be heavily involved in the transfer market. Jeremy Lucian, I think, is probably one of the first uh, dominoes to fall there. But against Vanderbilt, if fans remember the beautiful 30-28 to 28 victory the Commodores had over <laughs> Connecticut uh, this past season. He was season, all over one the, the field. One of the two. So if you're a fan, you better remember that one in the yeah. Colorado State. But Jeremy Lucian was everywhere. He had six total tackles, five solo tackles, a tackle for loss, two passes defensed. So may, wow. he was only a two-star recruit coming out of high school, but he performed well for UConn, even though he was playing for a bad team, which mm. we know that can be tough. You know, seeing a lot of good players at Vanderbilt that weren't necessarily on the best teams at the best times, including this past season. So he is a guy that is going to be huge to have with all these transfers out of basically every single experienced player in the secondary that you have is gone. Mm-hmm. So bringing in a guy with at least NCAA Division I FBS college football experience can't be a bad thing at this point, especially somebody that playing against your team this past season had a hell of a game. So yeah. I'm excited about it. He was recruited heavily by a couple other schools, but thankfully Clark Lee and Barton Simmons were, were able to close this one over the weekend. And Will, I think it's it's also big because he's able to come in as a veteran and help out a lot of these mm-hmm. younger guys, you know, and, and not to mention you still got Jalen Mahoney coming back. So I think there could be some kind of deceptive debt uh deceptive veteran leadership kind of in that in that back a, l- a little bit now the safety role it's a little bit different but at the corner spot lucian and mahoney those, those aren't too uh aren't too bad of guys back there at those two spots so um obviously they're not guys that you look at and say those are those are first second third round draft picks but they're guys that you can kind of rely but on. is it and, an and, improvement from last season and in two years do you see a path to getting better because i do that's where yes. I get excited is as I did the recruiting breakdown of saying what they're doing right now isn't necessarily good enough, but from where they were, man, I mean, oh, you're it's, looking it's, at a it's, roster it's a now step that is, that really is going is. to even from last year to this season. I don't know if it's going to do it on the win total because Vanderbilt's schedule is tougher this year probably than not. it was last season. Two or three wins, I think, is probably going to be what we'll see. But, man, the, the roster is now building for the future. It feels like you're young building for something as opposed to the last couple of years of Derek Mason. We're just like getting older. What are we really working towards? Yeah. And last season was like, what are we building towards right now? What's the improvement? Where's the 
young talent. And now I feel like, okay, a little bit of excitement, same way with what's going to be happening with basketball next season. So to say the least, 2022, especially the late stages, is going to be a huge year for Vanderbilt mm-hmm. Athletics. Yeah. And you have a lot riding on the line here with Clark Lee going into year two and Jerry Stackhouse going into that make or break season. And we're skipping way past all of baseball season right there. <laughs> but man, there, there's a lot to look forward to in 2022. Maybe like the tiniest little sliver glimmer of hope there. I don't want to, I don't want to say that. I (laughs) don't want to say that. Well, I think, I think more of, of what it's, what it's looking at right now is you can start to see the light, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, not just for football, but also for basketball. And whereas you, two years ago, I don't know if you saw much light at the end of that tunnel. So you're starting, you know, you're kind of going through the cave and you can start to see the rock kind of slide over and you're seeing a little bit of light and you can see that. So I think though it's, you know, we, we talk about good signs. These are baby steps. And, and, and that's what we've talked about when we refer to these things like Jamie Lucian, obviously not maybe not even a game changing talent, but he is a body and he's a guy that will come in and contribute. So that's another uh, transfer. Will, I do want to have a massive episode of just kind of the overhaul of Vanderbilt football uh, that's been going on here recently. And, you know, maybe even get a guest on to do that. I think there's a ton to talk about because See, the problem is it's still going on. So like right now I, I, I keep maybe saying maybe when it's all done, when it's all settled, yeah, when the dust settles, I we'll want, like I have something going online right now. That's the breakdown of the roster and the recruiting class. And the idea was that keep because updating. there was going to be so much turnover, I was going to keep updating it. Well, I didn't realize that there was still going to be so many transfers out. So I don't want to get into and decommits from guys. So I don't want to You're still write editing. all this stuff about every single person. Like JV on Marlowe, I was going to start on the running backs. Thank God I didn't because he's transferred <laughs> out. And I really want to do an in-depth breakdown. And I think we do too. So that's we, why we I think need, we need maybe wait until here. the dust settled. <laughs> the dust is going to settle relatively soon. We got basketball, got baseball starting up. But man, I'm excited. I, I can tell. I, I'm a little, I'm not excited for wins and losses. But yeah. I'm excited for at least these like, new faces, wa- yeah. things to watch, man. It's like yeah. we can go last last season. We were going into those recaps and it was it was, it was pretty dreary. Was I, I don't know. It was hard to look at things and say, OK, look at this guy or this guy, because we knew there was going to be so much turnover. Mm-hmm. And at least this year, we're like, these are the guys right now we're going to build for, even if they struggle, which they're going to struggle. Mm-hmm. We can point to things and be like, OK, from week one to week 12, which of these position groups that will pretty much all be back next year? Which of these have improved? Where if they, where are the weak points? Where do they? Need? And it's like you yeah. can start to plug holes as opposed to just it's just, just rushing at a, you. It's it's unpluggable. So maybe yeah. you can like duct tape a little bit, and then we'll get some flex seal in the class of 2023, <laughs> 2024. Stop all this. And I think it's a good sign that we're talking about football right now. This is a this is <laughs> this is a big football pod, and the fact that Vanderbilt is is kind of recruiting the way they are right now, I think, is a good sign. So uh, you number know, 32 we, in the country. Yep, moving up. Uh, you got Jadeus Richard just got his fourth star. And, you know, you've got maybe there's a couple other guys that get close up there. I think so, there will be. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. And, and uh, we'll, we'll talk more recruiting. But, well, we do have some basketball to get into. And uh, Vanderbilt actually got a win. They, they, they got a win over Georgia, 85-77. They're now 11-9 and on the year, 3-5 and in the SEC. And, Will, I don't know if you saw this stat, but 11-9, and that is their best record through 20 games to start a season since 2016 which was crazy for me to think about. So, uh, but Will, they needed it. They really needed to get back on track. Scotty Pippen said it after the game. We really needed this to stop the bleeding a little bit uh, because, you know, it's Georgia. It is Georgia, but I think this Georgia game came at a really nice time for this team to try to get back on track 
get the wheels back in the in the right direction. It was also nice to see the students back, Will. Uh, I don't know if that was you that snapped a picture at that game. I don't think you were at that game, but uh, somebody no, was. No, I think it was Peyton. Okay, Peyton, it, and then Peyton, I posted it. Yeah, <laughs> Peyton was able to snap that picture. I was actually pleasantly surprised by the amount of students that actually showed up, to be honest. I mean, it is the first time they've been able to go to an SEC game. Um, but I was surprised. I was I was pleasantly surprised. It's not like it was fully packed. I think that left side there were a few openings, but every other section was filled. For a Saturday night at 5 p.m. game against a Georgia a team that's the worst, uh, worst team in the SEC, and your team's <laughs> the 10th, 11th, 12th team in the SEC, I was pretty impressed. So <laughs> I was really impressed. Uh, Scotty Pippen, I was impressed by him too. 23 points. He had a season high nine assists, which. I think was huge in that game. He was really distributing the basketball. Jordan Wright at 15. And, Will, when this team shoots 52% from three-point range, they're going to be in every game. They may not win every game, but they'll definitely beat a team like Georgia. And this – Georgia was in this game for a, a decent part of it. I, I wasn't able to watch all of it from beginning to end, but I saw a lot of that second half, and Georgia was they, – they had four guys in double figures. Vanderbilt just had a little bit better offensive game plan. So, Will, I don't know how much you were able to watch it, but – this is just a win. May not have been pretty. Defense from Vanderbilt may not have been very good, but they were able to snag this W. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. Uh, I watched it on my phone, so I didn't wow. exactly get the detailed, able to break it down the same way because they're just little ants running around on the phone screen still. <laughs> but um, I think, unless I'm mistaken, Vanderbilt led this one from buzzer to buzzer. They led, they got the opening bucket. I think bucket, you're right. I think you're and they right. led from start to finish. So Georgia hung around. I mean, Vanderbilt didn't blow them off the court by any stretch of the imagination, but they won 85-77. They were an 11.5-point favorite. And Vanderbilt, you felt like they were in control of the entire game. Yeah. They slipped up a little bit at the end, but they were just a better team than Georgia. Their mm -hmm. players were better. That doesn't mean Vanderbilt can't lose to Georgia, just like it doesn't mean a team like Arkansas can't lose to Vanderbilt. But what it does say is Vanderbilt's not the worst team. And they're good enough to beat a middle, upper-tier, middle-of-the-pack team in Arkansas. Now, are they good enough to go into Rupp Arena and beat the number two Ken Palmer-ranked team in the country in Probably their not. arena? Probably not. I don't think they'll do that in a sea of blue. But the team is getting better. I went on a rant last podcast when I was solo, Billy, because I could go on rants uh, <laughs> without you there. You could go on as many to, rants as you want. <laughs> yeah, without you there to filter me. But I was just like, do you want – the one and done, or do you want slow build to getting better? Because with Bryce Drew, we got the immediate impact one and done from a pretty bad team when you graduated everyone, and that imploded. So this team is improving. From when Jerry Stein, people keep saying they're not getting better. From when he got here following an Owen, a zero-win SEC season, just like what Clark Lee followed, they have gotten better year after year after year even with the injury issues that he's had because it's amazing billy it's always amazing like i said color me shocked stackhouse got one of his two starters that he's missing back and, and every time rodney chapman get, gets back damn doesn't that offense look better billy when yep. you're not completely hamstrung by not having a secondary ball handler and holy shit, how would that <laughs> offense look if you added in seven foot 14 points a game and 10 rebounds per game it might look Liam a little Robbins. bit better oh my god so can i, I just want Vanderbilt fans and people hate Stackhouse. I don't I get put in the position of defending him. I don't even love Stackhouse. I'm not sold on him as the future coach of Vanderbilt basketball. But give the dude a chance. You're not even giving him an opportunity. You could say that Bryce Drew really didn't get an opportunity either if you're being completely fair, but 0-18 in the SEC is a fireable offense. Jerry Stackhouse 
hasn't done that. He hasn't done great, but he hasn't done that. Give the guy a chance. With this depleted roster, you're missing three guys that were supposed to be in the mind of Jerry Stackhouse at the end of last season, theoretically, were Dylan DeSue, Liam Robbins, Rodney Chapman. He does, he's missing all three of those guys from that starting lineup for the most of this season, except for Rodney Chapman. And the one stretch where they won, what, four games in a row and should have won the Diamond Head Classic, and now he's back and they beat Georgia. And they'd beaten Arkansas. And they'd beaten Georgia before with Rodney Chapman. So what I'm getting at is, holy hell, cool your horses. Oh, like, slow, just get, Let's take oh, a chill. Pill. I mean, cool your horses oh, yeah. is definitely not a saying <laughs> at all either. Like, I don't know what I, that was. Cool but, the uh, engines. <laughs> yeah, hold your, hold your horses is but, the phrase well, there. I, I completely agree with you. Rodney Chapman, I tweeted this from the TDR account. He makes this team entirely different. Now, if they have Robbins, they're another level of different. And, you know, they, we could be talking about this team as a bubble team. So I, I'm, I agree with you 100% on that. I'm not and, confident we would be talking about them as the most frustrating bubble team of all well, time. Well, yeah, they, they might. There be, would be games. The shooting droughts. Out, yeah, the shooting droughts would still be there that. 100%. So, like, but we'd be sitting there and they'd look like they did with Chapman in this Georgia game, but like add 10 points to their output and right, the differential right. and they'd win that game by 20. You'd be like, wow, mm-hmm. look at this team dominating. And then they'd beat mm-hmm. Arkansas by 10 if they had Romans, but then they'd right. also like score 40 points still against Florida yeah, yeah. because they still have a lot, have some issues. This but. team's just they're they, They're inconsistent at times. And, and, but I do think when they play their best basketball, they can beat a team like Arkansas. They can beat a team like Tennessee. And we, and, you know, I think we both agree on that. Arkansas win mm-hmm. now looks really good. It's looking really damn good on their resume. And that's what I think Stackhouse and his staff are kind of leaning on right now and, and kind of, hey, guys, look at this. We beat a, a top tier, you could argue a top tier team right now in the SEC on the road. So I, I think that if you're on that staff, you're Stackhouse, you look at that and say, hey, what did we do against Arkansas on the road? And, and you know, I think they played good defense. They rebounded. They shot the ball well. Obviously, those are all obvious things. But this team has proven it. Even, you know, they had Ronnie Chapman. But now, okay, you got him. Now let's see what this this team can do. And will what, right before we um, talk about Liam Robbins, just kind of looking over to Kentucky with Chapman, Vanderbilt has. I think they've got a, 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 a I think they've got a slim chance. I'm not going to say they're going to beat Kentucky, but Vanderbilt has played really well at Rupp Arena uh, on occasions throughout history, at least recent history. Um, so so we'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, but yeah, Vanderbilt beats Georgia. Will 85-77. 11 and nine overall and three and five in the SEC. Of course, not the best record right now, uh, but they're not even close to being done with this year, the, the season. They've got a tough stretch, though, down, down the stretch here, Will. They got to play LSU on Saturday. They got to play at Tennessee, of course, at Kentucky. I think they still have to play Florida at home, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so th- there's a at lot of Auburn. I don't know if you mentioned that one. Yeah, at Auburn. So there's a the lot number of... one team in the country. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of really good teams left on their schedule, and we're going to keep learning more about this team. So, uh, but will an update on Liam Robbins? Coach Stack actually said this is from Justin Hershey on Twitter. Coach Stack said Liam Robbins is working out and played some three on three a couple days ago. He said when he's back, he'll definitely be on a minutes restriction but his exact status for games this week and moving forward isn't clear yet. So, Will, I think I, I think best-case scenario, he could be he could play something like five, maybe ten minutes against LSU on Saturday, and maybe they get him in there. Maybe not. I, I wouldn't bet on it, but I think that's the earliest. And now I don't know about the latest game he comes back, but 
Um, right now, Will, I, it's just kind of getting him used to to playing, not even five-on-five five yet. They're having him three-on-three, three, full court. And uh, Coach Stack, I, th- I think, said in his interview that he's been getting really tired, so he's got to get back in shape. So uh, there's a lot involved with getting a player back after an injury that I think a lot of people often forget about. You know, I mean, you, you got you to gotta get back in shape. You got to start. You know, you got to start working out a little bit more. So you got to get back to the physical aspect of the game. So, uh, but well, I think, of course, when Robbins comes back, maybe not an immediate impact, but a week or two into that, I think you're really going to start to see the shape of this team and what Stackhouse really envisioned for this team this year. Yeah. I, sorry, I was trying to find these quotes on the Chapman injury <clears throat> as I clear my throat. But my dad texted me earlier and said something about exactly the quotes that you were saying. Uh, from her, Justin Hershey about mm-hmm. Liam Robbins and the encouragement that mm-hmm. we are seeing on the progress of his injury because at this point I was getting really close to thinking we're just not going to see him this yeah, year at all. Me too. But I, I would be pretty surprised if you see him more than five minutes on, in the LSU game. I think even yeah. him suiting up would be a huge step in the right direction. Just but he also texted me about something, and I couldn't find the quote, so I'll have to <clears> dig through and verify it. But something about Rodney Chapman and some quotes from Stackhouse in the postgame presser or his coach's show, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that Chapman was having a little bit of swelling still in that knee that had been repaired. Mm. And Chapman, after the game, was saying that the time off to rest his hamstring, which was a separate injury from that knee cleanup that he had, which I, I believe was cartilage or something mm-hmm. like that, he's still having swelling in that. And 100%, that that knee that was repaired caused the hamstring injury. I can, I can 100% guarantee I'm not a personal trainer, I'm not a physical therapist, but your body overcompensates. And when you have an issue in one knee, another muscle group is going to make up for it. I still, I haven't played competitive basketball in six years, six and a half years. I severely sprained my ankle when I was a freshman, sophomore in high school. Mm. And my left ankle, my left leg is still not balanced with my right leg because I just wow. played, continued to play on it without letting it rest. You can see the difference in size in my ankles and my left knee and, and everything. So... I can 100% feel, say at that Chapman. level, at the level of Chapman, who is way more athletic than I could ever dream of being, <laughs> that I'm sure that that is an issue going on with that knee. And something's not quite right if he's still having swelling from a minor little cleanup right. in his knee that, that happened I, months ago. I think I did see that too. And, and, and again, I think with Chapman right now, for I think Stack, you know, maybe to beat Georgia – he he thought he felt he needed Chapman, and you know I th- I think I think right now it's kind of Chapman is in his last year, and I think he's giving it full go, and he's saying hey let's let's do whatever we can do, especially with you know me being what 90 percent maybe even lower. So uh, that's credit to him, man. I mean he, he's a tough kid, and and he's a veteran guy. He's probably the smartest player on that team, and he seems to be I don't I don't. You know, I don't want to call him the leader because, you know, I think you'd argue Stottie Pippen, but at the vocal, emotional, and kind of leader of that team, I think is Ronnie Chapman because he's the guy. He's, he's, glue he's guy, the glue guy. He's the <laughs> oldest guy. And, you know, without him, that's the glue. I mean, that, that's a great word, Will. That he's, he is the glue guy of this team. And I think we realized that pretty quickly when he came back. So um, Rodney Chapman is, you know, we would assume he's playing at Rupp Arena now. But did you, but Billy, one step before we move on, did you uh, see how many turnovers Scottie Pippen Jr. had this game with Chapman um, back? He only had two turnovers. Two turnovers. Still playing 31 minutes. Two, two turnovers, turnovers the whole game. That'll, so that that'll secondary win you a ball game. handler, secondary ball mm-hmm. handler makes a lot of difference because really Chapman does. had none. 
Yep. And well, they missed a lot of free throws though, too. That was something I wanted to touch on. They only shot 61% from the line. Didn't affect really the game. I think they would have won by maybe 20 if they make a little bit more, a few more free affected throws. them covering the line. Yeah. Yeah. Affected <laughs> some, some people in Vegas who betted, who bet on Vandy. I don't know how many people did, but, uh, but yeah, well, so they, they ended up beating Georgia, uh, at Kentucky. will uh, touch on this a little bit. <clears throat> Kentucky's really, really good. They're, they're hot right now. They've got probably four different playmakers, maybe even five guys that that are threats, you know, to put the ball on the floor and score. Sheway destroyed Vandy last time. So, well, I don't know how much you look into Vandy's recent success at Rupp Arena. Um, I, I think, you know, that was kind of a that was kind of a recency thing with Stallings and, and Drew. And even, you know, they I think they played Kentucky uh, somewhat well last season. They, did, of course, didn't end up winning that game. But uh What's the feeling uh, tomorrow night? Eight o'clock, late tip, Rupp Arena. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what has. Obviously, I know what has to happen for Andy to win, but it's hard to quantify like what you know Vanderbilt actually winning this game. But boy, it'd be. I mean, that would change the season. I mean, that, if if they're able to ups, pull off the upset, but who knows? Yeah, it would take uh, some early foul trouble in Shebway. One yes. is the only way I can even envision. Ty Ty Washington's one thing. He's an incredibly talented player, but Vanderbilt has an, intr- an incredibly talented guard in Scotty mm-hmm. Pippen Jr., but they have nothing that matches up with Sheboy. This is the problem with Kentucky. It's not only is th- are they an incredible team that is playing incredible basketball right now. They're number two in the Ken Palm overall rankings. They just dominated Kansas. I mean, dominated Kansas, mm-hmm. 80 to 62. At Kansas. Beat, beat Mississippi State, lost to an Auburn team who's number one in the country, lost to them by nine on the road. And then they dominated Tennessee, number 13 in Ken Palm. So they are playing very good basketball right now. And they are Vanderbilt's nightmare matchup. They're athletic. They have size. They rebound the ball really, really well, especially on the offensive end. They're number two in the country in offensive rebound percentage. They get offensive rebounds. Uh, I don't have that stat pulled up. I don't want to say it, but they're number two in the country in offensive rebound percentage, and they're number 11 in the country in defensive rebound percentage. Mm -hmm. So QMB, number one, cannot get in foul trouble. If QMB gets in foul trouble early, this is going to be a bloodbath. The only way that Vanderbilt can hang within the 16.5 point line that they're currently at, Vanderbilt's a 16.5 point underdog against Kentucky on the road in Rupp. That's about what I expected because the the, the Rupp Arena is going to give about four points. Neutral yep. site, Vanderbilt's about 12 points. Mm-hmm. A 12-point underdog, about what I would say Vanderbilt is above Georgia. So that's probably about the same amount of gap, mm-hmm. if maybe a little bit more Kentucky between Vanderbilt. But, mm-hmm. man, Kentucky's offense is incredible. They don't play at an incredibly fast tempo, but they shoot a lot of two-point shots, get a lot mm-hmm. of points in the paint. And that's where Vanderbilt really struggles to defend is guarding in that pain. Mm-hmm. And if QMB gets in foul trouble early, I might have to cover my eyes, Billy. Yeah, yeah, that'll be tough if, if QMB gets in early foul trouble. And, and well, this is a different type of Kentucky team than teams past. They're not full of one and dones. They've got some veteran transfers in there, and they're really good. Kellen Grady is, I mean, <clears throat> he's making shots like off the off the spin and shoot, and 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 he's incredible players. So they've got a lot of talent. Um, on that Kentucky team. Again, that's an 8 o'clock Eastern time tip-off tomorrow night. Well, one more thing to get to here. I know there's a lot here in this episode. What channel is that on, Billy? I'm SEC, sorry. SEC the, uh, Network. There we go. SEC Network. So I thought it might have been maybe on the ESPN family at Networks at first, but I don't think uh, I don't think many people would watch that. But, well, Shane Foster, uh, he's having his jersey retired. It'll go up in the Memorial Gym Rafters on Saturday night, 5 o'clock. That's going to be a special day. And, you know, this is something I think a lot of us expected to see down the road, um, you know, and, and I think 
I think for Vanderbilt, the history of Vanderbilt basketball, he's as important as anyone else. And, and you know, he's had so many great games. He's he's statistically Vanderbilt's all-time leader in points. Threes made. He holds the SEC record for consecutive games with a three-pointer made. And and it was a no-brainer for them to do this. So, but will another really cool move? They're selling they're selling lower-level tickets for thirty-two dollars. Uh, Shane Foster's number. So. Kudos to the administration on that. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. I wish I could be in town for this. I know you're going. I already know you're going to this. Um, if, unless there's a – If possible. <laughs> if possible. Uh, I know you'd like to go to it, of course. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Will, it's kind of interesting. I look Looking back, uh, he is the fifth former Vanderbilt basketball player to have his jersey number retired. And, and you know, I think you look at other programs in Kentucky, they're probably up in, you know, the 20s, maybe the 30s with guys retired. But Vanderbilt's not a program that – that you know does that a lot you the last guy uh, I think was Clyde Lee where they do that I don't know I think that was within the past decade they had Perry Wallace also so well this is this is a rare occurrence and 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 so for Shane Foster and he he deserves every bit of this and I think Vanderbilt fans will show up for this no matter how how well the team's playing I think this is something that Vanderbilt fans want to come to Memorial Gym and show support for Shane Foster um, and a little tease here, Will, we're going to get him on a little bit later in the week to, to talk about it. So, but Will, I know you, I mean, he's, he's just, he's the guy. I mean, you talk about Vanderbilt basketball youth a lot. Most people think Shane Foster, that over the head shot that he had. I mean, that was a Nashville staple like Shane Foster and Vanderbilt basketball. And, you know, we'll never forget the 42 points against Mississippi state, but special player. It's going to be a special night on Saturday, no doubt. My favorite player of all time, Shane Foster, and I'm probably not going to get to get to join the interview there with you because I have to work, Billy. This work stuff is awful. My hey, uh, all here. my usernames that I made prior to like seventh or eighth grade that I still Shane use, Foster. gamer tag, gamer tag on Xbox, still has the number thirty two in it. It still has every. I was thirty two in basketball when I first started playing because I loved Shane Foster. And I think it was Coach Bargatze had some strong opinions about retiring that number 32. Mm-hmm. Usually we agree with him on his takes on Vanderbilt basketball. He's very knowledgeable of the, the history of Vanderbilt basketball, even more so than we are. This is one I disagree with him on. Shane Foster and outside of Perry Wallace, who obviously broke the color barrier in the SEC. So that's a whole different, different mm-hmm. level of impact on basketball. Yeah. Shane Foster is the greatest basketball player of all time at Vanderbilt. I don't care what guys go on to do in the NBA. He was the most impactful during his college career. And he really did create the modern Memorial magic that we think of. I mean, the, the teams carried it on that won the SEC championship in 2012. But, but and you go back to the 80s and 90s, which is where Coach Bargatze has an issue with the jersey retiring. It's, but it's he pretty much carried too. it alongside Derek Byers and A.J. Ogilvy. Shane Foster is the guy you think back on the entire 2000 to 2010 era of Vanderbilt basketball. If you have to name one player, it's going to be Shane Foster. Mm-hmm. And that, that guy was special in the social media era. Could you imagine that oh, Mississippi State game with what he did on senior unreal. night? That, I mean, magical. that would have been magical. It was literally like that ball it was felt, being guided down real. by angels inside. I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> it was so crazy. that if he was if he was playing now, the highlights with that shot, man, yeah. he would be yeah. a star mm-hmm. on social media. So he was a star before yeah. it was easy to become a star, especially at a place even like Vanderbilt or Tennessee yeah. when you're not at a blue blood. And he was still a star. Mm-hmm. And he's still staying involved. He still does the play-by-play, which I think he's pretty damn good at. He's, I like him. I may, I may be mama. biased. but There goes that yeah, man. Mama. <laughs> Scotty. He's, he's, 
He's June. the best. He's the oh, best. Oh man, he's but... the best. He is my favorite basketball player of all time, Billy. And I'm and if I can't join that interview, I may cry at my desk at work. So. Well, here here's kind of the trade off. Will you might be able to go to that game. <laughs> Um, yeah. and, and I might be able to do the, inter- I'll be able to do the, there interview. so there's the trade-off, but well, he's also done so much in the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, he started the men, uh, the men foundation for, for, I think inner city kids. And, and so he, he's done a lot. He's stayed in Nashville. He's done a lot to help not only Vanderbilt and support the basketball program, but he's helped the Nashville community. So hell he's in their current intro to their, to, to the basketball I, team this yeah, season. He's yeah. in their hype video. I mean, yeah. he's staying involved and that's what we always say we want out of these yeah. Vanderbilt grads and involvement. And we haven't seen that from the administration. Well, Shane Foster has been involved. If mm-hmm. there's anybody that you could say Vanderbilt's all time points leader, and he's there all the time as a continued face of that program, that's what the football team needs. That's what they needed out of their star during that era in Jay Cutler. And obviously Jay Cutler is a whole different animal. A little bit of he a different exactly, personality. Yeah, little, just like slightly different, <laughs> a little less approachable personality than Shane Foster, but, but yeah, man, well, it's uh, awesome it, to see. Yeah, and Stackhouse actually said in his press conference that he was asked about this, and and he said he's kind of like an uh, an older brother to the players right now. I mean, he's always in the gym, like you said. So to have that kind of figure is is really cool. So Shane Foster, he's going in the rafters, number thirty two. And and will I I get I totally I I also disagree with Coach Bergazzi. Um, You know, I think that's a sign of the times because Jan Van Bredikoff was the Shane Foster before Shane Foster. Um, obviously, we were not a lot. We were not really alive for him. Um, but I think there's a lot of people that in that older generation that might agree with Coach B. So maybe we need Well, you also have Will Purdue in there as well. Yeah, I mean, Will, you've Will had Purdue some great well. players that have worn it. But Shane I, Foster is the greatest player yeah. in the history and of I, NFL. I, so. I would agree. But I, want, I still want to continue that discord with, with mm-hmm. Coach B and get him on and say, okay, Let's hear from you. You know, well, I love having the, the opinions that are not the popular that are on the other side, but I think you made a pretty good point that I thought about. I just always associate because we're younger fans yeah, of Vanderbilt. Yeah. But stay tuned. Coming up later this week, we will have Shane Foster uh, joining. Uh, it'll probably be on Friday, uh, and he'll uh, he'll kind of run through his, his jersey retirement. And, and, of course, we've talked about it a lot, but really cool move by the administration. 32 bucks for those lower-level tickets. Uh, we'll really hope you're able to go. Because, you know, being able to get pictures and videos of this, this is going to be uh, really special. I hope the broadcast does a really good job of, of honoring it, too. I'm sure they will. Um, I'm sure he'll join the broadcast, you know, at, at some point. So and uh, and that'll do it here for episode 140 of The Doorport presented by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. <laughs>